What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very immediate post-trade deadline edition of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Sadly, we will be soldiering on without Adam Frommel today, but Andy and I are here ready to talk about the myriad deals that went down at or near the deadline because some of the biggest transactions um, went down before the deadline. But before we get to that, can I just say that what I'm really excited about as we get into March, and not that the NBA is quieting down, but I go through this cycle every year between the end of December and through the end of the trade deadline where I just don't get my hair cut like, because I feel I'm working so much. And I look like a – I think Andy can see me on video right now. I look like a pale-faced hedgehog. I think you should carry that out. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Even longer. I I hate hair though. Like I hate body hair, and I hate long hair in my head. And I really want to try growing my hair out. Just hair would, anywhere, huh? Yeah. This this would have been the perfect time to do it, but I'm itching to get it cut, and I don't know how much longer I can wait. Every time I tell my wife I'm going to grow my hair out, it's like a month later I will lock myself in the bathroom and shave it all off. How often do you, when you're not worried about that, how often do you get it cut when you're not trying to grow it out? Uh, two or three weeks, probably. Yeah, I go every 10 to 14 days is like my normal haircut. Yeah. And if I you don't... You got to extend that. Give yourself I, some more creativity options. And if I ever go like four weeks, it's happened where I've gotten a text message from my regular barber asking if I'm okay. <laughs> well, it's nice he's checking up on you. Yes, but enough about my hair growth. <laughs> 
Um, let's get to the trade deadline. So yes, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to give you license on on where we start, and I'm I think I know where you're going to start, but I'm going to give okay. you license. Well, first I like obviously I want to start with Demarcus Cousins. Um, oh, I honestly thought you were going to start with Mike Scott to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, he was. He just barely got the bump behind Boogie. <laughs> um, it seemed like the day, like deadline day itself, was a little more quiet, but. It's just because most of the big deals, like you said in the intro, kind of already happened. Um, I think it's safe to say that the biggest one this year is definitely Boogie going to <laughs> New Orleans, which for for what basically amounts to Buddy Heald and cap filler. Right. Um, and w- we can say draft picks too, but they're not even that valuable. Um, it's. For, I, it's- I, I get why Sacramento did it. Like they wanted to move on from Boogie. Blah, blah, blah. But I will never, I don't think I'll ever truly <laughs> understand how he was had for so little. Vivek, right? He was high yeah. on Buddy Heald. <laughs> and to, to your point, their most valuable pick in terms of just looking at the spot and what they're going to get out of it might be that second round pick because it's coming from Philly, who might have a bottom three record again. So you're looking at sort of a late first rounder and just looking in terms of position there's a better chance that you're going to overachieve in that spot than you are when you're going to pick between 10 and 14 or if the Pelicans yeah. make the playoffs like 16 or later. And how like it, it another thing that's always going to boggle my mind about this deal is that that first round pick has a top three protection on it too. <laughs> that's so funny. So there's a chance they don't even get that pick. I think the Nuggets are still going to be the ones to get the number eight seed. Um, I do too. What's big is the Pelicans and the Nuggets in both of their final ten games they play each other three times. That stretch I, I did not know that. That stretch will probably end up deciding who it is, but I still think the Nuggets are gonna get um to the playoffs. And then I really just hope that we have one of those long shot lottery situations where the Pelicans land inside the top three. Because the, that King, would be incredible. the Kings deserve for that to happen. <laughs> that seriously would be incredible. And then imagine throwing like we're getting way ahead of ourselves now, but if you could add one of the, you know, high expectation point guards from this draft class to Boogie and um, you probably, AD and Drew Holiday, it's crazy. You probably maybe even go with Josh Jackson. Right, you, you're in a position where you could swing because you don't need a point guard um, yeah. with Drew Holiday, or you trade the actual player for like a, to move down and get another player. I don't like yeah. they can't trade the actual pick itself, but. They can pick a player, trade him, and try and get like the lower draft pick, and I, I don't know who would be available. They, all kinds of options. Like imagine Is there any reason. Go ahead. Like just a like scenario. They get the second pick, and they trade the second pick for Wilson Chandler and whatever pick the Nuggets have. Just so, something like along yeah. those lines. They they have <laughs> all kinds of routes they can go now. I I was trying to think of this on a radio spot the other day. Is there any reason? Uh, for New Orleans to have passed on this deal. It just seemed like a no-brainer for them, right? Right. It, even if it doesn't work out, and we have to emphasize that it might not work out, because even when we were talking about there being no growing pains with the Miami Heat when LeBron went there or when he went back yeah. to Cleveland, th- the only time that's really ever happened with these types of formations is when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. We talk about there needed to be a transition. Him and Steph still aren't perfectly on the same page, but they were good amazing, almost flawless right off the bat. This probably isn't going to happen because while Davis and Cousins, 
they're not the Twin Towers. We've never really seen a pairing like this before. Someone threw this out on Twitter, and it makes the most sense. They're probably closer to when LeBron played the four in Miami with Chris Bosh at the five. That That's the closest comparison you're really going to find. Yeah, I can and see that. While they're closer to that, this still runs counter to the modern-day NBA. Either of them can space the floor, but are we ever going to – um, are we ever going to see them master playing off the ball? Both of them are used to being on the ball. They both can shoot in theory and emphasis on in theory with Anthony Davis, but can they learn to, to play off one another? That that might take some time. Yeah, I think that takes some time too. I, I'm not super worried about it offensively because I, I think they can figure those things out. And I think a lot of the stuff you mentioned, um, in time they'll gel on that end. The one worry for me is like which one of those guys is going to guard the modern stretch four who can do a lot of pick and roll and guard type stuff. I I think that's a bigger problem, but it's still not anywhere near big enough a problem for me to have walked away from this deal if I'm New Orleans. It just seems like this is a shot that you have to take. Because even if it doesn't work out, it was it was worth it. Like you you swing yeah. for the fences and I was looking and I didn't really realize this happened, but what teams in the NBA have two top two or more top 10 players on their team, on their squad. It's the Pelicans and the Warriors, and that's it. Like, bar none, top 10 players? I, I, I mean, I, I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Right. And even if, we, even if you expand it to top 15, you probably can only include the Cavaliers in there, and I'm not even sure if Kyrie and yeah, Kevin Love are even that's a push. So, yeah. so that's a big deal. Even, even if it doesn't work out, you had to try it because it cost – like you said, Buddy Healed and and filler. Yep, and Buddy Healed, like every indication uh, that we have is that his ceiling right now is like an, a replacement level player. <laughs> right. So it's just crazy what they were able to do. Um, I'm sure you guys have hear, heard a ton about this deal as it's already a couple days old. So we'll move on to the next one in terms of uh, impact, at least in my opinion, and that would be the Raptors. Uh, picking up Serge Ibaka for Terrence Ross and a first-round pick. What did you think about this one? It, it was good. Uh, it, it was good in every sense. I almost wonder if they could have gotten Ibaka for a little bit cheaper just because it seems like the offers were, were crud everywhere else, but they probably viewed Terrence Ross as their most expendable guy. I, like, I don't know if you could have built a package and tried to sell it to the Magic around that first-round pick, Jacob Pertle and, you know, uh, Patrick Patterson, so I, that type of deal. But I really like it. It gives them more versatility on the defensive end because you look at Ibaka and all the potential options there. A Patterson or Ibaka front court could end up being just super crazy malleable on both ends of the floor. He, if you play him with Jonas Valanciunas, it's it works. Like he can cover up for Valanciunas while providing more on the offensive end than Lucas Nagara does. And the defensive ceiling on a, a Baca Lucas lineup is just absurd. And to me, that might be the long term direction the Raptors go in, just because you have Kyle Lowry, who's up for free agency. Now you have PJ Tucker, who I guess we can loop into th- this Raptors umbrella as yep. well, going toward free agency, joining a Baca and Lowry. It's going to cost the Raptors a ton of money, and they're probably going to have to move some of their incumbents. Jonas Valanciunas would seem like a prime candidate, especially with. Nogueira being extension eligible soon. I, I just like the trade, what it does. I don't know if I'd put them ahead of the Celtics just yet because when you have additions of this caliber, I feel like it seldom clicks right away. And to do this 
so close to the trade deadline with, with about a third of the season left. Maybe it'll help you more in the playoffs, but they're certainly with the Celtics in terms of the biggest threat to the Cavaliers, so I loved it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, right? What you said at the end there is hopefully it clicks in time for the playoffs, and, and I do think it will take them some time to figure it out too. The loss of Terrence Ross, um, he's been good for him this season, but I think if we look at this trade in, con- in conjunction with the P.J. Tucker one, it doesn't hurt quite as bad. Um, Tucker's not going to provide what Ross could in terms of athleticism and shooting, but he's a solid veteran defender. I think he's a guy that will come in and know his role right away. And, and as for Serge Ibaka, uh, I think I would just echo everything that you said. He's almost like a perfect plug-and-play option for them. Um, like we've said, it'll take some time for them to figure it out, but he fills so many of the needs that they had. And I, I remember a month or two ago when rumors first started to surface about which power forward the Raptors should go after, and it was mostly Paul Millsap talk. There was a little part of me even then that thought Serge Ibaka might make a little more sense. And so I just I feel like it was a pretty big pickup for them. I, I think this overall, if we count the P.J. Tucker trade uh, in addition to this, this has been a big win for the Raptors. That's what makes it easier to justify giving up Ross because you got Tucker for nothing, basically, and he's a better... Because Sullinger was expendable before you even got Abaka. He wasn't playing for most of the season, and when he played, he didn't look good. And he comes in, and he's a better defender than Ross, so he helps out Powell there, who probably isn't ready to defend the most elite Eastern Conference wings. Excuse me. Uh, they, they won the trade deadline in the we didn't have the luxury of dealing with the rampant Sacramento incompetence division. <laughs> so they, like they, they killed it to me. And it, you know what makes the Ibaka trade even better? Look at what they would have had to give up when the Thunder wanted him initially, which was probably two firsts and Ross or whatever it was. Or maybe it was. Yeah. So to get him like now and you know that you're going to have the ability to resign him, Masai Ujiri deserves some sort of patient, opportunistic opportunism mezzle or something he's been absolutely fantastic for them and i'll be interested to see though because these trades have ramifications what they do this offseason tucker abaca lowry are all free agents it's gonna be tough is noguera noguera is extension eligible this summer right let me see i think he's in his third year so he's extension eligible and i guess you wait because because you don't or maybe you don't, because maybe you can get them for a cheaper cost now than you would the summer after in restricted free agency. So that's four guys you have to make a decision There's on. A lot of big decisions. Right. And who I'm guessing they'll get rid of Valanchunas, or at least try to. And the market for big men isn't good right now. They'll yeah, probably it could be, be able tough to, to unload him now. They'll probably be able to get more for Damari Carroll than him. But Damari Carroll, even though he hasn't really been playing too well, it seems like he would still be the better fit for the roster that they have now. <laughs> What about this deal for Orlando? Here's my thing with it, and I I, kind of wrote about this. It looks bad because of what they gave up to get Abaka, but at that point, what they gave up is moot. It happened. They effed up. They have to move on, and they were kind of lucky to get a guy like Ross, who's a great catch-and-shoot guy, has some defensive potential. He's still semi-young, and his contract is fantastic, plus a first-round pick for a guy who per all these reports, was just going to leave anyway. That was the situation. That was the circumstances under which they dealt the Baca. So when you pigeonhole them to that situation, I thought they did a good job. What makes it look terrible is they never should have traded for a Baca in the first place. 
or after trading for him, they, they never should have came within 10 feet of Bismack Biombo. Yeah, it's all the surrounding moves that make it weird. But but I agree with you. If you just focus on this one specifically, it's not too bad. And I think one of the biggest things for Orlando is just the fact that Aaron Gordon can play the right position again. Did, and I think that the roster generally makes a little more sense now. Right. And it looks like Frank Vogel is going to play Super Mario a little bit more. I saw something on Twitter yesterday that said he'll play Super Mario at the four. If they can, they probably still need to move one of Vucevic or Biombo over the offseason because Gordon should probably even see some time at the five. And you put Mario Hazonia, who's 6'8", at the four, and you just blitz. Like, you try and get up and down and just blitz opponents with all these matchups is what I yeah, would try to do. Before Orlando made all these crazy deals this summer and got, like, oddly big, um, I really like the idea of Aaron Gordon playing some five. I think it's something that could create some crazy mismatches. So I was pretty disappointed when they sort of took themselves out of there. Um, enough on that one. Let's move on now to the Rockets, who I, another team that I think just had a really, really good week. Um, picking up Lou Williams for Corey Brewer and a 2017 first-round pick. I get that you're surrendering some defense, but Lou Williams has been... Basically, what I said when the trade first happened is he's a much more efficient version of Eric Gordon, who a lot of people are already talking about as a potential sixth man of the year. Um, Lou's just flat out been better. He's averaging almost 30 points per 30 or yeah, almost 30 points per 36 minutes this season. Ultra efficient. uh, Shoots threes, gets to the line. I think this is a perfect addition for Houston. I like it and I don't like it. Williams' contract is fantastic. That pick is going to be a bottom five first-round pick anyway. Corey Brewer didn't give you anything offensively, and you can argue that the defensive value he provided wasn't worth the trade-off on the other side of the floor. But you have Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, James Harden, and Ryan Anderson in your rotation now. If you ever play all those guys at the same time, which I wouldn't put past Mike D'Antoni, they will. it's a defensive suicide. And then... What kind of makes this trade a little more iffy is you go and you give K.J. McDaniels to the Nets for nothing. Maybe that can be used on this defensive-minded wing or someone who's going to help you there, but the Pelicans scooped up Hollis Thompson already. I'm not – who's going to become available for them? Like, they're clearly going for the buyout market because they traded Tyler Ennis for, no, for nothing yeah. as well. There's already reports that they might go after Bogut, which maybe he helps a little bit. I My thing with this is – I don't know the exact quote, but that famous Dan Tony quote where it's like, it doesn't matter if you win 130 to 125 or 100 to 95. Um, <laughs> and to me, this is an opportunity for the Rockets to get a lot closer to some of those 130 to 125 victories. I, I can't imagine really anybody outside the Warriors keeping pace with that offense. If they've got Lou Williams... Eric Gordon and James Harden on the court for stretches together. How do you defend that? I I don't know. And that's probably their plan is where you look at a team like maybe the Jazz or or the Spurs, the Grizzlies even, they've decided that we're just going to try and counter the Warriors with slow pace physicality and dictate the pace. The Rockets have decided that we're going to try and beat them at their own game and just hit as many threes as them, score as many points as them, and hopefully we'll grind out enough defense, which is why Patrick Beverly is so damn important now more than ever. 
I yeah. don't, I don't know if that's the way to beat the Warriors. The caveat being, I don't think there is a way to beat the Warriors. We we said this last yeah, season and it wound up good. happening, but imagine beating the Warriors four times in seven tries. So you might as well, if you're built to go for it now, go for it. And that's what the Rockets are doing. I support the deal in that sense, especially given how much Williams makes this season and next at seven million per. But they need they'll be so much better and you could say this about a few other teams where it's like they only need one piece but if they if they could have given McDaniels a shot or maybe they didn't blip, but if they can pick up just a defensive minded wing a half decent defensive minded wing somehow if that emerges on the buyout market maybe I'm forgetting someone they'll be even more yeah, I'm not seeing that yet yeah and the other thing that does concern me is forget about the defense Lou Williams has to buy into a spot up role now around James Harden the way Eric Gordon has. He has that That's Eric true. Gordon potential in terms of shooting or where you just catch it and you fire away or you drive and attack. But will he be willing to do that? Because he's never had to do that in his career. He's always kind of had free reign in the second unit when you look at Philly or Toronto or Los Angeles. If he can, like if they can get him to accept that, though, I think he's instantly more dangerous than Gordon because he can – I think he's a great catch-and-shoot option, but he's even more deadly than Gordon is as a guy that can attack closeouts. So he gets that kick out from Harden and someone's rushing out to him. I think there's a lot more that he can do with it at that point. He's incredible at drawing fouls. Um, one of the only guys who might be better than him at that is Harden. And uh, I, I just I can't believe the offensive potential that this team has now. It's, it's insane to think about. Who's their best defensive wing after Trevor Ariza now, though? Yeah, that's crazy. You'd, you'd probably have to say Harden, which is like really scary to think about. Right. You better hope Sam Decker develops into something crazy. Yeah. And Sam Decker is like, they're even thinking about playing him at the five at times. So who knows what will happen with him. But this is, I think Maury even went on Woj's like post-deadline show and, and just said, we're not trying to win games where you score less than 110 points. Like our scores are going to be up there. And if that's their direction, if that's what they believe is giving them the best chance to beat the Warriors, even if it ends up not working out, you still might as well go for it. Yeah, I agree. I um, mean, just taking – they take like how many threes a game? Like 40? 100? I, I don't know. I, mean, I think it is like 40. It's around that's there. That's so hard to keep up with. I don't know um, how to keep up with it. You can't. Yeah. Okay, the next one, moving on. I love the Rockets trade. Um I am so-so on said Rockets trade. Okay. Uh, the Mavericks got a steal today. Um, picking up Nerlens Noel for Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson, and a top 18 protected first rounder. Um, and if that doesn't convey, it turns into two second rounders. Am I correct? Right. On all that? Yes. So this is, uh, to me, this is just a massive <laughs> no-brainer for, for Dallas. Um, one thought I had a while after this trade went down is Rick Carlisle has done some pretty amazing things with these sort of rim rolling big men since he's been in Dallas. If he can sort of, if he can sort of get Nerlens Noel to a defensive level that Tyson Chandler was at in Dallas and the offensive level that Brandon Wright was at in Dallas, um, they've got like a franchise cornerstone type center. And I, I don't think either one of those things is out of the question for Noel. They might have gotten to a point where they traded Noel, or traded for Noel, 
and don't have to give him market value to keep him, maybe there will be someone throwing out near max offers to him in restricted free agency, but Philly kind of torpedoed his value a little bit. That helps them out to me. Yep. And all, all your points are accurate. Noel has been a proven defensive anchor in Philly. And this year, he kind of stepped up to his rim running game in the pick and roll. And that says a lot because the Sixers offense still isn't good. Put him in an offense like Dallas's where Rick Carlisle is super smart. He, he should be that perfect guy who just finishes around the rim at a, a very high clip. And he doesn't seem like someone who wants to do more on the offensive end, which has always been Dwight Howard's biggest problem. In the event he does end up doing more, Noel's a pretty good passer, which is what some people don't necessarily talk about enough. That was it 2000, it was last year, the 2014-2015 rookie season, he he was really good at, at just working angles and, and things like that from the post. The Sixers just weren't a good basketball team. So it's a good trade for Dallas. I'm a little surprised they did it. They just because knowing what happened with the Jay Crowder Boston Celtics trade, you just <laughs> gave another sophomore wing to a team uh, that is going to give him more reps. And what if he turns into something? I know Justin yeah. Anderson looks like he has a busted jumper, but what what if he does turn into something? It, it, it I don't know. It was that that was I, the only thing that gave me pause. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Jay Crowder was kind of trending up at the time. They moved him for Rondo, right? I honestly can't remember. I, I mean, I even I'm gonna like compare their stats at this point, but I know that Justin Anderson has definitely taken a little bit of a step back this season, at least in my mind. Right. Um, and I don't I don't think it'll be a situation because if anything, what are the odds that it happens twice to the same team? You know what I mean? And and what are the odds that Nerland's Noel is the same sort of like locker room cancer that Rajon Rondo was? Awesome. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a huge difference. Um, to me, it's it's a no brainer for Dallas. Um, really, kind of weird from the Sixers end, if you ask me. I don't. What? How can you justify this if you're Philly? You didn't want to pay Noel. You have more confidence in Richon Holmes, who's kind of a similar player to Noel. He's definitely more explosive, has more offensive range on that cap friendly contract. The Jaleel Okafor offers were probably so underwhelming you didn't even want to give him up, and maybe you see him turning into an Al Jefferson-type guy off the bench. I still would have moved him, even if it was for nothing. It could have been addition by subtraction for them. The other thing, For Ja, you mean? Yeah, the, the other yeah, thing me too. is you don't know now that Joel Embiid is ever going to last a full season. We know he's a transcendent player. We That's know he should fair. be the face of the future, but why wouldn't you want to keep Noel just to see if Embiid works out, pay him the money he's going to get, then you can turn around and probably demand more for him in a year or two because he's under contract. Or, worst case scenario, Embiid flames out or he's always injury prone, but you still have a worthy defensive anchor in Noel right behind him. And finally, the ceiling on a on a Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel front court pairing slash rotation if you're not going to play them together, that's really, really high. It's it's an interesting thing to move away from, and it's clear that Philly just isn't ready to reinvest in its current core, which is probably why, and people haven't talked about this enough, but it's probably why when Embiid's extension eligible this summer, they probably waited out because they know that they're not going to get him for a bargain because some team will offer him max money and restricted free agency, and his agent has to know that. So 
they, they must just be at the point where we're not ready to funnel more money into this core just yet. And Noel wasn't, you know, he wasn't giving them any choice as he was hitting restricted free agency. Yeah, that all makes sense. I think I agree with you uh, on the point that if I was going to pick two of the three, I would probably still roll with Noel and Embiid, even if the offers were just pretty bad for Okafor. I just, he makes so much less sense to me basketball wise. And another just weird aside, it's crazy how soon uh, Embiid's contract is up because you forget that he didn't play those first two years. They've got some interesting decisions to make soon too. Right. It's, it, they, they, again, I think they'll wait unless they, they're going to be able to get him for a bargain. But when he came out and we saw that he was shooting threes, it was over. And the way he was switching on defense at times, it was over. Because now it's not like, oh, you know, there's too many big men in the league. You're not going to give him a ton of money. He is, like, he epitomizes what you want in a big man at this point. He's not as rangy as Kristaps Porzingis or uh, Nikola Jokic, I guess. But maybe Kristaps and Miles Turner is more accurate. But he's... He switches fine. He's going to be a great rim protector. He shoots threes. He can put the ball on the floor. He's showing some flashes of passing. There will be a team, even if he doesn't play next season, that will give him a ton of money in restricted free agency. So I don't think it's in a situation where the Sixers are like, we'll pay you now so that you can get this money guaranteed, but you have to accept X, kind of like the Bulls did with yeah. Jimmy Butler. And that, that's an Now let's just knock on all the wood. Right. <laughs> um, what would be... The next one. I was thinking uh, in terms of impact, probably, well, I have Wizards next on my list, but I think the Thunder and Bulls deal was probably bigger. That the Thunder had to do that. They, they needed guys who could hit wide open threes and they didn't have them. I looked up this stat. I love this deal for the Thunder, but go ahead. I've looked up this stat, I think, or I've included it in an article on each of my last four or five because the Thunder have come up. They generate, more wide open three pointers than more than two thirds of the league. They rank <laughs> they rank dead last in wide open oh three point gosh. percentage though. Thirty one point two percent. McDermott is hitting forty three plus percent of his wide open triples. He's going to feast next to Russell Westbrook. I'm really excited to see that combination. And they have the defensive depth to cover up for him in ways that the Bulls just didn't. Like the Bulls mm-hmm. don't have that dominant defensive big to stash behind him. And the th- the Thunder do with Steven Adams. It's. It looks like it's going to be fun, and the fact that the Thunder generate this many wide-open triples on a team that really can't create space with the threat of its shooters is just a testament to Westbrook and, and means that McDermott should probably feast next to him. The only iffy thing with this deal, and, and again, you can argue they sold low on Payne because he's a lottery prospect, but he's working through rust after an injury. He was never going to be able to be showcased when you have Russell Westbrook on the team. This was a fine return. But Taj Gibson's kind of an odd fit for this roster once Ennis Cantor comes back. Those two... He's... Go ahead. They're kind of polar opposites, right? Like, Ennis Cantor's going to do him on the offensive end, and Taj Gibson's going to do him on the defensive end. Maybe you can play them together, but that cuts into Domantis Sabonis' minutes. Ideally, even though Gibson's older, it would be optimal just for the Thunder's makeup to get rid of Cantor over the summer and re-sign Gibson. But this is... Like Gibson's a rental otherwise if Cantor is going to be here into next season. See, I was a little, I was a little worried about that too, the Gibson fit. And I swear for like five minutes, I could not remember who the Thunder starting power forward was. And then I remembered that it was Sabonis and I thought, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a fine young player. I, I get if you're kind of high on him for the future, 
But if you swap those two right now, that's a massive upgrade. Uh, he makes them so much better defensively. I think he's a smart offensive player. He's not going to like go out and score 15 to 20 a game for the Thunder, but he'll knock down open mid-range jumpers. Um, I feel like this is just a home run on both fronts for the Thunder, especially considering what they had to give up. I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal for you, them what they sent out. And I guess you think that they put him in the starting lineup as opposed to Sabonis? Just because I don't Yeah, if think... it was me, I would go with So this is an interesting question is like who starts for them now. I think I think it'll probably start out with uh Westbrook, Oladipo, Roberson, Gibson, and Adams. Um I even saw some Thunder writer wondering on Twitter if it might be a good idea to start Roberson and McDermott on the wings and have Victor Oladipo as like your super sixth man. Um they have a lot of options all of a sudden though. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Roberson as a shooting guard, but he can defend them, and he's not going to sh- hit threes wherever he is. So I, I guess yeah. that's moot. I I kind of like the idea of Gibson coming off the bench for them, just because their bench ranks. Let me. It was I, last time I checked, it was twenty third in defensive efficiency, and the offense wasn't great either. But unless you're going to move again, Victor Oladipo to the bench to keep the. To me, I'm rambling now, but they, they kind of have to pick an identity on the bench, and I think Gibson helps them get there more than Cantor does, if that makes any sense. Cantor tries to give you that offensive identity, but it's hard for him to do that in today's NBA. Gibson will bring a more gritty defensive identity to it. And yeah. You might need someone like him if you're not planning on starting McDermott, because I don't, I don't want to see any time in which McDermott and Cantor are on the floor <laughs> together. Yeah, that, that would be, be bad. I guess the luxury now, though, would be, like, no matter who you start, even if you start Gibson and Adams, now you can stagger your rotation in the front court so that Cantor always plays with, like, a defense-first big guy. So whether it's whether it's Adam or Gibson, you can, if you limit it to those three guys, unfortunately, that would probably squeeze Sabonis out of the rotation. But when it comes to playoff time, you, you have to limit that rotation anyway. I might even say Sabonis, depending on where he is, should get playing time over Cantor anyway. But it's 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 a good. I don't problem. know. Cantor's been really good this year. He's been so good offensively, and his defense is like it's it's reached a point where I'd say it's almost passable. <laughs> so if you combine that with what he does offensively, I I think he's overall a plus player for maybe the first time in his career. It's it's a great problem for them to have right now, but it'll be interesting how they tackle it leading into the offseason, because can you really pay? Again, in today's NBA, you'll probably be going the Pelicans route on a lesser scale. You're going to pay three bigs a ton of money. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> is and, uh, How long is Adams under contract? He signed a five-year extension. So Okay, they already got him locked up then. Cantor has, does he have two years left after this? Is this the second year of his contract? It is, right? I don't remember. Um, so he has two years left after this. It'll be interesting to see what Gibson commands, and it was it wasn't necessarily surprising, but Roberson too. What is he going to get? Is already extended. Oh, he's yeah, because no. he he enters free agency this summer, right? Right. So, what what kind of offer is he going to get? And normally, the Thunder, um, once they get to this point, they trade they these start, guys. Like, yeah, they want to start trimming some money off the right. So maybe they think. Perhaps they had a conversation with him today and found out what it would take to keep him in OKC this summer, and we're like, you know what, it it might be worth it, and we can get rid of Payne, get a guy McDermott who has two years left on his rookie scale, 
well, I guess one after this one, and then we'll have Gibson as a rental. I, it just, to me, I don't see long-term how you have Gibson, Cantor, Adams, and Sabonis on the same roster. Yeah, another team that's going to have to make a choice on big guys. It's like there's this excess of big there, men all everywhere. All of a sudden seems to be this excess. Which is- <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, let's move on to the next one, and you alluded to it already. Um, the Wizards. They needed, they've been looking for some help on the bench, which makes sense because their bench has been weak all year. Um, they get Bojan Bogdanovich and Chris McCullough for Marcus Thornton, who's already been waived by the Nets, um, Andrew Nicholson, and a first-round pick. Uh, I, I'm just kind of ho-hum on this one. Um, Bogdanovich is fine. I, I, he's He'll be a good shooter. He can space the floor off wall, but... I don't think he's overall a great player. He, defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. So this one doesn't really move the needle for me. I don't know if it does for you. No, not really. It's it, it's really just a, a summation of the Wizards' last five or, or ten years of operating that. They signed somebody in Nicholson to a less-than-good contract, and then they have to use a first-round pick to get rid of him is probably the thing that's going to hurt more. Um, I still... Bojan Vajanovic is going to hit a ton of open threes, and the Wizards' bench ranked in the bottom 10 of both offensive and defensive efficiency, so he's going to take away from you on the defensive end, but you didn't have much to work with on the offensive end either. And, and like, at that point, again, it's like pick a direction the way the Rockets are. They've decided offense is going to be the direction for their bench. They're not going to keep him, though, because he's going to be a restricted free agent. And this deal, if anything, it gives you peace of mind that the Wizards won't think twice about matching Otto Porter's Porter. max offer yeah. because they shaved, you know, six plus million dollars off the Andrew Nicholson deal or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. I did the, the Nets. I like this trade. Get a first round pick. You have the flexibility to play Nicholson, who's interesting in the sense that he remains this tweener forward, and maybe he turns into something. But I did tweet this before. I, I don't know that I regret it. But I do still like Nicholson, and yet he reminds me of a slightly faster version of Anthony Bennett, whose agent is better at negotiating contracts. <laughs> I saw that one, actually. And I agree with all of it. So the, the Nets, you got a first-round pick. I like this deal for the Nets. The Wizards, if it makes it easier for you to match Otto Porter, and that's how you justify it, because now not only are you not yeah, paying fine. Nicholson, but you're not paying the first-round pick, go ahead. That saves you you know, in that spot, what would the pick be making in the new salary cap? Maybe two or three million a year, so you're saving ten, really. But what do you do next season? Because it's great, okay, you have Porter, but as of now, when you look at the Wizards' performance since Christmas, the only bench that has played less than theirs during this time is Minnesota's. And you don't want to put yourself in that conversation with the rest of verse Tom Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to get deeper next year, right? Trey Burke's a restricted free agent this summer. You're going to have to do something about the backup point guard position. Yeah, there's no. I don't think they'll keep him either. Um, no. So yeah, they're going to have to reload on the bench. And I, I think another, another reason this deal was tough for me is I just had my heart set on Lou Williams going there too. And so I felt like it was just kind of like Plan B for them. Well, we didn't. Well, I guess this brings up two things. Is one, I kind of think the. Lakers left value on the table for Lou Williams just because that, I do too. that pick I is going to be... I thought that could have been more. Yeah, that pick is going to be bottom five from the Rockets, and ESPN.com's Ramona Shelburne said they fielded offers, multiple offers that included firsts 
you have to imagine one of them came from a team that wasn't projected to finish 27th yeah. in the draft. You order. also have to imagine that one of them would have come from a team that wasn't going to attach a contract like Brewers. That was like seven million him. isn't that bad, but maybe not though, um, because if the Wizards were going after him, they would have attached their first and Nicholson, whose contract runs through 2019-2020. Who does? Are, do you have their cap sheet in front of you? Do what? they have any expirings? Uh, the Wizards. I guess Burke is an expiring. Yeah, but to make this, uh, Williams is making seven, so you have to send back something comparable. And it looks like the Wizards is aim more so, and you guys are going to hear the ads play. But um, it isn't looks it like, within like twenty five percent now or something like that? Isn't that yeah, the trade rule? And Trey Burke doesn't even make half of Williams. You probably would have had to go Burke and Sadaransky. Don't know if the Wizards would have wanted to have done that. Don't know if the uh, Lakers would have wanted to have done that. I think yeah. very clearly the goal was we want to shave salary um, in advance of the summer so we can just pay Otto Porter and yeah, not have to sense. worry about it. But Still, it is weird that nobody could give the Lakers an expiring contract, though. Maybe, isn't that weird to you? Maybe that's why they did it, or maybe the offers that were coming in, I'm, I don't necessarily know of a situation where this would have happened, but maybe the player that was attached to the first-round pick was going to help them add too many wins to the bottom line by the end of the season, and they're, yeah. they're more interested. Like, Brewer isn't going to add wins to your total. No, not a single one. <laughs> um, so I think they left value on the table, but for the Wizards, I didn't want Williams because his role would have had to have been even more specialized with the Wizards. They try and play a more balanced style than Houston, so you would have never seen, or at least shouldn't have seen, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Lou Williams lineups because that would have been a defensive disaster. John Wall's a good yeah. defender when he's locked in. He's been great this year for the most part, but even now the Wizards use Otto Porter to cover up for both Wall and Beal. But if you split... If you split lose Williams at the or lose Williams, <laughs> if you if you split lose minutes at the one and the two, he'd still give you like twenty five minutes a game. You don't necessarily have to play all three of them together, right? But you have to at some point you have to play him with one or the other, and really he only fits with Wall. Him and Beal would be a defensive crap show. Yeah, that'd be a problem defensively and for I, sure. I also think the fact that he's on the books for next season is is something the Wizards weren't interested in it just seems with yeah. the way they made this trade this wasn't a, the the way for them to be like hey we're gonna try and catch cleveland this season it was we're gonna try and set ourselves up for paying Otto porter a little bit yeah. better still i never really looked at it from that angle it makes more sense that way if i look at it through like the Otto porter lens still though it the optics aren't great because if you're gonna give up a first round pick it should be to help you catch the cavaliers at this point and i wouldn't say the wizards are any more dangerous or more threatening to the Cavaliers than they were before the All-Star yeah, break. I don't really think so either. Um, we're done with that one then. Uh, let's let's move on. This one is fairly big before we get into what's basically just the rest of the day. Um, and this one actually wasn't from today either, now that I think about it. This is Ersano Yasova from the Sixers to the Hawks for Chago Splitter. 2017 second rounder and a 2017 second round pick swap. Um, what'd you think of this one? It was amazing to me that the Hawks went from sellers for a minute in January to aggressive buyers at, at the trade deadline. It's a good trade for them. Ilyasova comes off the books like Tiago. They don't really have the financial flexibility or roster space to house all these second round picks anyway. You get you get Ilyasova, who's an upgrade over Mike Scott, who didn't play. He's an upgrade over Chris Humphreys. 
he comes in, he'll help space the floor, and your front court hasn't been good at doing that. You only really have Muscala and Millsap in the front court who can shoot, and Millsap hasn't even been shooting well from beyond the arc this season. I, I like the addition, and you can probably help out with Ilias Over's poor defense just because Atlanta's schemes are terrific. Um, and imagine lineups with Paul Millsap at center with Ursan at the four. Those would be tough to guard, and the, the Hawks' Achilles heel, bunny quotes there, what has been their offense for the most part. I like the deal, but they're another team that's kind of interesting because Millsap, Ilyasova, Tabo Cephalosha, and Tim Hardaway Jr. are all free agents. This is a package where you could be like, hey, we're just going to let Ilyasova walk because we didn't give anything to get him and we don't want to pay him $12 million a year. But it's almost like, so we're going for it, but what does going for it mean? Get the fourth seed in the East and yeah. then we, we let probably – at least two of those guys. Millsap is going to come back because you can't let him walk for nothing after you let Horford walk for nothing. Until the Nets max him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a... Well, the Hawks are... Someone's going to max him out anyway. I don't think that'll be the issue, but... You yeah, they some, have to be committed to him at this point, right? Right. Especially after the Horford debacle. That's something that, just about the way people don't talk enough, in my opinion, how the Jazz let both Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap leave for nothing. We don't talk about the fact that the Hawks let, lost Al Horford for nothing when they had the chance to capitalize off his value. It helps that they're still good, but he was a top 20 player, top 25 player that you let go. for Not let it's go, It's sometimes hard lost. to know, like, for sure if that's going to happen, though. Well, you... Like, they were still going after Horford that summer. They messed up, though, because not only were they shopping him at the trade deadline, suggesting they had some hold on the situation, and they knew his return wasn't guaranteed. But you went and signed Dwight Howard, who is not a good fit for playing. What is Horford yeah, supposed that's to think? So, but, <laughs> so you, anyway, you get Millsap back. You're no, lo- I think generally you have a good point. Like It's always better to recoup some value than to just lose a guy for nothing. Unless it's Derrick Rose. Anyway, though, <laughs> you, you're going to re-sign Millsap. That has to mean that two of Hardaway, Cephalosha, and Ilyasova are gone. And, and my bets would probably be Cephalosha and Ilyasova just because they're older. Tim Hardaway yeah. Jr. might be cheaper than both of them as a restricted free agent. Who knows? But that that's just an interesting kind of side note to what the Hawks are doing. Yeah, I think I like it too, generally speaking. Ursan's been really good this year. Um, he, he's one of the reasons the Sixers have been a lot better than, than a lot of people expected them to be. Um, they don't really give up anything. Splitter... I wonder how many total minutes he played with Atlanta since he came over. It, it cannot be more than like 500. T- I mean, he hasn't played guess. since January of 2016. So his total minutes. And then it, so essentially it's like. Oh my, Andy, do you really want to know how many, <laughs> how many minutes he's played? I'm going to guess before you say it. I'm going to say like 130. Oh, okay. No, it's more than that. Okay. What is it? 579. But he's only appeared here. Still very few. 36 games since they acquired him before the 2015 season. Before 2015-2016. So essentially two and a half seasons. And he, oh no, one and a half seasons, excuse me. He appeared in 36 games. But still, he almost never played for him. So they they didn't really have to give up anything to get this guy who I think will help them in the short term. I agree with you. It probably doesn't make them threats to the Cavs or anything. But it does make them a little bit better. What did you think um, of the deal for Philly? It's fine. I 
I, I get that they want Dario Saric to play more, and I'm actually pretty excited about that. He's been really good in his last, like, five to ten games. Um, it's a very sort of trust-the-process type move, keep hoarding um, assets, even if they're not super valuable, like second-round picks. It was just funny to me that they did this one too first, which seemed, like, very process-oriented, and then they followed it up with the Noel deal. Right, the- that was almost process oriented though too a little bit just because maybe Hanky would have held out for a better return or maybe he would have thought the way we were thinking before just resign him try and flip him later but he didn't want to reinvest in players that were coming up on raises like he didn't even want to guarantee contracts i remember i like the deal for two reasons Ilyasova was the throw in in the Jeremy Grant deal that got the Sixers a first round pick that'll probably end up becoming a second round pick i think or something along those lines. And as you alluded to, he had no business stealing reps from Sarek or Rich or Richon Holmes. You have to assume or hope that Ben Simmons is going to play at some point this year, and you don't want to pigeonhole him to point guard or small forward all year. He should get some minutes at the four. And he was coming up on free agency. You weren't going to keep him. At least you shouldn't have paid that next contract because you have Sarek and Richon Holmes and, and Simmons in the fold. So I, I, if you're able to get two second-round picks, or excuse me, it's a second-round pick and a, and a swap, which is, and why not? He was leaving anyway. He was about to get expensive, at least. So I, I liked the deal for them. I, I thought it was a shrewd move, especially because, as you said, Sarge has these games. It's been like this all season, maybe a little bit more consistently now, where you just look at him and you're like, damn, he's going to be good. Good, yeah. His last six, I actually ran these numbers earlier today. Uh, six games isn't a big sample size, but he's at like 20 points, eight rebounds, and three assists a game in his last six. Oh, crap. I didn't know that. So, yeah, he's he's been balling and shooting over 50% oh, stretch, too. Here's what makes it look better. That pick they got from Oklahoma City probably is going to convey. It's top 20 protected in 2021, uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022. If it's not conveyed by then, um, then it turns into two second-round picks. But it looks like the Thunder will be relevant for the next half decade because Westbrook isn't going anywhere. Yep. Um, I think we covered just about everything. I'll just run over some of the more minor ones, and then I kind of wanted to talk about non-trades. KJ Um, McDaniels to the Nets. (laughs) (laughs) KJ McDaniels to the Nets. Did you want to go more on that than just to mention? Oh, good idea. Uh, (laughs) That was shame. I just – I love KJ McDaniels. I'm like, ever since the Celtics turned Jay Crowder into what he is, and I'm not comparing him to Jay Crowder, but but ever I'm just in love with these wings, like the Justin Holiday type wings. Either they can play defense or they can shoot. Maybe they do a hint of both. McDaniel's is just so tantalizing because of his physical tools. He's this six foot six inch guy who could probably defend power forwards in today's league. He can basically switch on to any wing position, all in theory. Just get him and see what he turns into. And for the Nets specifically, imagine a Rondé, Karis LeVert, McDaniels lineup that has, you know, surround them with Jeremy Lin and Brooke Lopez. There's defensive potential there, offensive versatility there. I just like him and want to see him play. Part of it's irrational because his jumper is mostly gross. He shot a little bit better from there um, this season. It looks like his touch around the rim has been improving from the very finite amount of games that I've seen him play in 
I just like him. I'm enamored with these wing-type players who are cheap, essentially flyers. It's the same reason why I refuse to give up on Jeremy Lamb. It's just it's very intriguing to me. And the fact that the Rockets gave him away for nothing, which is kind of another storyline attached to these trades, they better do something big on the buyout market. And it doesn't look like they're going to get Deron Williams. He'll probably go to Cleveland. He's going to Cleveland, yep. So just like... I think, uh... So here's I, I kind of like it for the Nets because if there's ever going to be a place where he can finally show what he can do, it's there. Like he should be able to play. Um, he played 1,300 minutes in his rookie season with Philadelphia. The two and a half seasons with Houston since then, he's played less than 500. So he hasn't really been able to show anything. His advanced numbers are terrible, but you can't really fault him for that because he hasn't. He just hasn't had a chance to show anything. So can, I'm with you in the sense that this is a good opportunity for him. Go ahead. But do you want to know my favorite stat, even though it's reaching KJ McDaniels related? And yes, there's so does ad. this person. <laughs> okay. Um, four players who are currently in the NBA have matched KJ McDaniels' per 36-minute scoring, rebound, steal, and block output for the first three seasons of their career. Can you guess who those four are, or even one of those four? Run that by me again. Just four players who are currently in the NBA through their first three seasons have matched K.J. McDaniels' per 36-minute output in scoring, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Sheesh. Nerlens. No. Scoring, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Would it help if I gave you those numbers? That might get a little bit verbose and confusing, though. I, I can see him now. I actually have KJ yeah. McDaniels pulled up. I, I really I, I have no idea. And you're not supposed to guess because it's not his position. Clint Capella, Anthony okay. Davis, Andre Drummond, and Yosef Nurkic, who isn't even through his third season yet. But that's, yeah. that's the point is we're dealing with scant playing time, and you can just tell from those rebounds, steals, and blocks per minute output there might be something There's there. Something, there could be something there, yeah. And it, it boggles me. I'm, I'm on the Houston front now that they gave him away for nothing. They, they have to hit a home run on the Deron Williams front. I mean, excuse me, the buy, well, that was terrible. On the buyout market front because Tyler Ennis, who they traded to the Lakers for Hurt Toss, who they're going to waive, is a first-round talent or first-round draft pick. I get he wasn't going to see the floor behind Harden slash Beverly. But you also go and trade McDaniels, who was we talked about before, was your best per- perimeter defender at the time behind Trevor Ariza. Now that Corey Brewer's gone, yeah, they they obviously they must have had somebody in mind because those those moves seem very pointed towards saving money and being able to to go into free agency. Bogut seems like a weird fit to me, which is the one that they're reportedly after. Um, it does because Nene's been so good. Yeah, and even Harrell, when when those guys were hurt, he was pretty good filling in for them. I don't know. I'm trying to even wrap my brain for who would be on the buyout market like all of a sudden looking at a wing. They, they can't be like high on DeAndre Liggins who possibly no. could be out in Cleveland. It's just – and it's not like – they're not in luxury tax territory, right? Before, before all the I trade, think they actually got under the cap. Like they're not even over the cap anymore. With no, those they're, moves. They're not. That's right. I'm look, they were at 94.7 before the day, uh, before they traded for Lou Williams. They saved salary on the Lou Williams trade. 
about half a million dollars. And then you gave away McDaniels, 3.3. Gave away Ennis, 1.7. So that's five. You're at 5.5 right there. Was that their goal to just get under the salary cap? They Gary said this, that they have more money than any of the contenders. But who? Who? Like but at who, this point, you can't really sign anybody that makes that big of a difference. Maybe they're hoping Derrick Rose gets bought out in New York. Oof. I, would... I wouldn't have made those deals for the off chance of acquiring Bogut. I can tell you that. Even though he would have been a fun fit, like if you're going to make him your backup big, Nene's been good enough. Yeah, if, if he was the target all along, it, it is kind of hard to justify. Unless, but then why wouldn't you have just waived Nene? I, I don't know. What they, but unless their goal is to maybe sign Bogut to like a multi-year deal now so that it's locked down and done with and they wanted cap, they needed cap so like space super cheap or something. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's the thinking. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I don't like giving up K.J. McDaniels for nothing. For nothing. That's fair. Um, some of the other small – you mentioned Tyler Ennis for Marcelo Huertas, which was just a cap play. That was good um, for the Lakers, though. Yeah, I think that's fine for the Lakers. Um, you have mentioned a couple times the Suns getting Mike Scott for cash, which is just Phoenix trying to get to the salary floor, I think. Do you know um, why – What's the reasoning behind doing that? I wrote about this when the Nuggets traded for Roy Hibbert. Why are teams so against giving their own players a little bit extra money? Do they pay a separate I, penalty? I think that's weird, too. As far as I know, it's just uh, it's just dispersed among your own roster. Like I would think if you had the opportunity to do that, um, why not get some more good grace with your with your players? Right. Uh, hey, um, guys, here's a bonus. Like, <laughs> Right, unless you also pay a penalty, in which case then it's But I've original. never heard about that. Like, I feel like that would have surfaced somewhere by I've, now. I've also never read about it either. It just seems yeah. like this is this would be a topic that... So, somebody, would, somebody would have brought it out if it's in the CBA. Right. Um, but, it, yeah, that's, that is weird. So that, and that covers the Hibbert deal to Denver as well. They had a roster oh, spot. Man. You know what? I don't have that on the live blog. I'm going to have to update that when we're done recording. Don't you? I, I don't think I, read I do. It. No, you do. Oh, yes. Yeah, I do. Never mind. You did. Yeah, you that's know another. You, you know your stuff. <laughs> that's another uh, smaller one. I wanted to talk about non-trade. some of the non-trades. Um, I guess we would start with uh, – let's start with Derek Rose just because you love Derek Rose so much. This this rumor was so strange to me. I, I don't understand. Well, I do understand because Tom Thibodeau is in charge. But just from a logic standpoint, Ricky Rubio for Derrick Rose uh, seemed really dumb on Minnesota's end to me. It, I didn't hate <laughs> it for them, and not just because I want Derrick Rose off the Knicks. If you look at what's coming up for them is one, Ricky Rubio is on the books for another two years at a reasonable cost, but you're going to pay him $14 million per about. You have to consider that Andrew Wiggins and Zach Labine are both extension eligible this summer. If you can save any money on them by paying them less than a max deal, you kind of have to do it after free agency, of course, because teams they, are going to give them max offer sheets. In they the might be able trade. to do that with Levine now. Right. And then in 2018, you have Carl Anthony Towns to worry about. You've already paid Gorgie Jang. His extension kicks in next year. Ricky Rubio's salary is kind of excess in that where not only is he blocking Chris Dunn, but 
are we really going to pay that much for a backup point guard when we have to shell out all this money to a core that hasn't even proven it can make the playoffs yet? So it's just like from the, the cap space, like just yeah, from the perspective that it was an expiring contract, right? I guess that does make sense. And you, it's it's like in the Andrew Nicholson trade on steroids, where the Wizards might have saved. Let's say you include what they were going to have to pay that draft pick, so maybe you save between nine and ten million dollars. The Timberwolves would have saved fourteen million, or whatever. The problem, the problem for me still would be um, if it's just an expiring contract and you let Derrick Rose go, or even if you sign him for for cheap. Um, I'm not ready to trust Chris Dunn yet. I think Tyus Jones might even be better than him right now. But maybe, maybe that was also the end game. Let's see what we have in Tyus Jones as well. It, yeah. Again, if they were going to keep Derrick Rose, that makes it a bad trade. If they were just going to play him this season, see what happens, that's fine. If that was the and then go from there. But if you're right, if their intent was to keep him long term, that would have been a dumb trade. And yeah. then, what was great though is the Knicks holding out for more pieces. There was reports that said they were giving trying to give him away for nothing, but the whole not doing it for just Rubio alone was probably just like Phil Jackson's way of trying to make it seem like he didn't screw up by getting Rose <laughs> in the first place, which is terrifying because is there a chance the Knicks would sign him now if the number's right this summer? Oh, gosh. I hope to holy hell no. The last thing I want to say is normally in most situations, I would have been on board with not acquiring Rubio, and I'm perfectly fine with not getting him now and taking the cap space. There are zero big-name or worthy free agent point guards who are going to come to New York after the James Dolan Oakley debacle slash yeah, the Phil Jackson Carmelo Anthony debacle? It helps if you have Melo because maybe he can still swindle some free agents into thinking that the Knicks don't suck something <laughs> awful. But like, here's my thing: I'm not sure I want a part of Chris Paul's next contract. But if you're the Knicks and you have Melo and you're not going to trade Melo, wouldn't you want a meeting with Chris Paul that you're now probably not going to get? Well, now they, now there's a chance they can get it though. Are they? they have, but that, I, that's my point: is the cap space, is it valuable because of how bad the optics are in New York? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean they definitely are a train wreck right now organizationally. Like, it's hard to get past that. Um, and are they at a point now when like <laughs> maybe Melo doesn't even want to help them? Right, I, yeah, I, how do you recruit for this team? Right. Yeah, it's hard. They are they are in a tough way. I, I, recently, I was thinking about the like the opportunity for a Mello trade, and I thought, well, what if Mello at this point just wants to wait Phil Jackson out? Right. But then, but then, where are they <laughs> at the end of Phil Jackson's contract? If Dolan is like, he said that he wants Phil to fill it, to 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 do the rest of this contract. Um, how old is Mello at that point? Like thirty four. Yeah, he's. Phil's contract's technically up before Melo's, but he has an, an ETO after next season. He's not going to get the money that he would in that fifth year anywhere else, but maybe he's, one, wants to play for a team that doesn't stink, two, that can sign Phil's a longer-term deal. Teams. No, it's... Wait, what are you talking about? No, it's an early termination option for Melo. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought uh, Phil Jackson had an opt-out, too. Oh, he does, too, but he has two more years left, so I think... I think he would be through next season and the season after. Oh, so their contracts are technically up at the same time. But Melo can get out after next year. Oh, man. 
Like that's just a. So basically, their hands are just tied for like two or three more years. Right, and so you're wasting Kristaps Porzingis's whatever. It's a win that's... if you. That that was my whole thing of why to trade Derrick Rose, and I don't want to act like he's the only problem with New York. I like Mello next to Porzingis better than I like Kristaps, but Porzingis ideally shouldn't be playing with both of Mello and Rose. It has to be one of them because then you're taking the ball out of his hands too much. And also yeah. by playing Rose and Mello together, because both of them have to play off the ball more, they're not going to pass as much when they have the ball. And we've seen that with Mello, which is something he's definitely to blame for. So would it, they, uh, how much goodwill would they recoup if they just bought out Derek Rose right now? <laughs> a, a bunch. I, I don't, yeah. again, that would, that would, entail I don't think that's going to happen, but well, that if they were actually willing to give him away for nothing, why wouldn't you do that? Well, I, th- I, I think it should be a real option. I just, it seems hard for something rational. It seems hard to imagine something rational coming out of that front office right now. Right. So I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's get off the, uh, the Knicks non-trade. Um, the other one, we can kind of talk about these in t- together, I think, because they both involve the Celtics. Um, Jimmy Butler and Paul George. And there was there was a lot more buzz about Paul George today than I thought there would be. I thought I, it was going to be all Jimmy Butler. I think it became clear that he didn't want to. He doesn't want to stay with Indy if they can't become a contender, which they clearly can't. <laughs> but the thing that I thought was going to temper all that was like shortly after he said they got to be a contender, it was like the only team I'm going to is the Lakers. Right. So which I is, thought at that point, a bunch of other teams would say, "Okay, let's let's cool this," and maybe that is what happened. Imagine, isn't that back crap crazy though? Because it says that the Nuggets made a monster offer, according to ESPN.com's Mark Stein. It apparently didn't include Jamal Murray, but Paul didn't want to play in Denver long term, which is moot. You can't tell me that your sole interest is in winning yeah. when you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more higher on the Lakers in 2018 <laughs> than I am the Nuggets, who are one player away probably from being a top four team in the West. That makes, that's like, come on. This is, uh, I thought that was hilarious too. This this goes to like a general point that I don't think players are the best at evaluating talent. He no. probably sees the likes of like Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and thinks that that team, like he probably thinks all those guys are better than Jokic. Maybe that's not fair to say of Paul George, but that's that's the way I'm justifying these comments that came out of him today. Because there's no way you can think um, that the Lakers are closer to competing than the Nuggets. Unless you're thinking something crazy like that. Right. It's absolutely nonsensical. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler, I, I all week thought that there was a really good chance that that might happen. Jimmy Butler, the Celtics. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take out my crystal ball. The Celtics are going to see where the pick falls in the lottery. They're going to pick the players, so that diminishes some of the intrigue. But they'll be able to go into free agency with max cap room. Maybe they don't sign a Gordon Hayward-type player. Maybe they don't land a star. Maybe they get a really high-impact guy. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there are, there are going to be impact guys out there. I'm trying to look at the 2017 free agent list of like non-stars. Like Who would be a good option for them? Um, let's see who we got. I just all right. It, I don't have the free agents pulled up. No, I do now too. But like, so I don't think they're going to get Chris Paul, but even let's say they get Hayward. Or maybe let's say they get a Gallo at an affordable price. They're not going to get Otto Porter, who would be perfect for that team. Um, they're not going to get KCP. 
so you're not really looking at a very deep well. But so, so let's just say the goal is to sign Gordon Hayward. You sign him, it's cost you Amir Johnson and Jonas Jerebko's expiring contracts mostly. You can still turn around, headlined by that number one pick, and assemble a package, most likely this time built around Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart and that pick, and go after Jimmy Butler. To me, that makes the most sense for them. If you can get another guy in free agency and then acquire Jimmy Butler, why wouldn't you try that when it's become clear, to me at least, that it seems like the Pacers are waiting out, the Pacers and the Bulls are waiting out the Celtics to offer what their players are worth. That actually does, (laughs) that makes more sense um, now that you phrase it that way. My, My whole thing all day was like, I feel like Boston had a chance to like legitimately compete with Cleveland this year if they could have added Butler. I, I felt like Isaiah Thomas, Jimmy Butler, and Al Horford is a team that can maybe push Cleveland. But if you're willing to play the long game for another year, um, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Jimmy Butler, and Al Horford is even more likely to push Cleveland. Um, so maybe you're right. It's just I, I keep I keep waiting for Ainge to do something with these assets, but maybe ultimately he'll he'll look like the genius for being so patient for so long with them. Right, and here's the thing, and I'm looking at their salary picture is so Tyler Zeller's non guaranteed next year. If you just pay him the eight million or whatever he's owed, so that you can use him sort of as your Amir Johnson filler, him and Marcus Smart and the top pick, who I'm just going to say is Jalen Brown's salary. Those three alone, that's enough to get you Jimmy Butler. So the pick, Marcus Smart, Tyler Zettel's non-guaranteed deal, and whatever other filler you have to – like that's enough to get you Jimmy Butler. So you've successfully added a free agent in this scenario and now can go around and trade for Jimmy Butler. That's a, that's a huge deal to me because yeah. especially if – especially if, and I don't think they should still because you need these contracts – when you figure how much you're going to have to pay Thomas and Bradley, but especially if you have to give up Crowder for either one of them. Because I don't think, and I said this in the BR Slack room today, I think you, you saw it, I don't think if you trade Crowder for Butler or George with the Celtics roster as it is now, I don't think that even comes close to changing the outcome of a Cleveland series. I think it would with Butler, because I think a lot of what Jay Crowder Jake Crowder's a better shooter, so maybe I should like Here's, stop where I was going with that. But I think a lot of what he does defensively, Butler does. Right, he's big, but, he's strong, he can guard LeBron but, for stretches. Butler's the better defender, but and this is where uh, this is where I have trouble giving up Crowder. Crowder's going to be the better fit on offense than either George or Jimmy Butler because you know he's willing to buy into that role off yeah. the ball of he's Horford of Thomas. Shoot, yeah, and we know that. Granted, Derrick Rose is a different, worse player. But Jimmy Butler wasn't fantastic with Rose. That wasn't a pairing that ever really worked yeah, out. That's true. So there's the potential for it to go up in flames there. And if you have a better roster by the time you trade for him, he's probably more likely to be like, yeah, I'll just buy into a spot-up role on offense. They'll still insist on getting Jay Crowder, right, in the summer, don't you think? Will they? Because maybe maybe at that point That's the like Celtics the prime are... contract the Celtics can offer. Because you still have like another year or two on it at that point. Three, actually. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's you, still going to be... He helps you win now. Would, if you're another team, wouldn't you rather have Brown? Why wouldn't they ask for both, though? 
well, I, I don't. I still don't think the Celtics are going to do that type of trade. They're not going to give up. I don't think they'll give up both net picks, and I also don't think they'll give up Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder in the same deal. Better. See, I'm the, I'm of the like. I know it didn't really work out for the Nets or the Knicks with Darren Williams or Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. but there's still a part of me that thinks if you have a chance to get a star. You just go and get him and then try and figure it out after that. I've moved. But, uh, the Spurs, I think, have made me move beyond it. It's And it's not even to say, like, I, I just feel superior like they do now because of it. Just watching the Spurs play, watching some of these superstar combinations sort of fizzle out when you saw what happened when Brooklyn went all in, when, yeah. you, when you see what happens every time the Knicks think they acquire a second player. Getting a top 15 guy is different, obviously, in, in Georgia Butler, but... You're the second best team in the East right now. If Butler and George aren't going to bridge that gap between you and Cleveland, why should you do it? See, and that's that's probably where we break down because I think that I think that one of those guys would bridge the gap, not all the way, but it gets them closer. I don't and here I don't think we bridge the gap this season. If you're looking ahead, fine. When you have a training camp and and what have you to to get it done, that's all the more reason to wait until this summer after free agency to me. Just because it's if if it's going to happen, you leapfrogging Cleveland or you hitting Cleveland, it's not going to happen this year unless LeBron James gets injured. The Kevin Love injury is a I get it, it's kind of a big deal, but that's not. You don't think if everybody was healthy that, a, you don't think Thomas Butler and Horford is close to Irving Love and LeBron. Thomas Horford, no, I don't. LeBron is the best player. Uh, LeBron is like by far the best, but I think you there's an argument to make that like two, Horford three, and, and four in that six man thing is is the are all Celtics, right? But it, to, to me, still, obviously, LeBron is LeBron, so that's <laughs> it's it, tough to argue against that, right? And it, I think it, maybe at this point for the Celtics, it, it, it could end up being stupid, but maybe the possibility of what we laid out is just like. Man, we need to we need to try this. We owe it to ourselves to try it or something. And I, I totally, I totally. Yeah, I feel it. like at some point they got to take a shot. And maybe and it is this summer, like you said. It has to be before the next trade deadline because you are getting to a point where Bradley those, and Thomas won't be on below market deals. They yeah. they're free agents in 2018, so you it has to happen in the next year. We'll start um, to depreciate at some point. Yeah, so that, that's where I'm at with them. The last trade I kind of that didn't happen that I kind of want to discuss is maybe a bunch of trades that didn't happen is the jazz. We're sort of linked to Derek favors deals. Maybe those were overblown. Um, there was also talk of them perhaps getting rid of Shelvin Mack, who was considered definitely available. Um, were you, I wasn't surprised they didn't make a move, but do you think that they should have aggressively tried to move Derek favors? Um, I, I think they should have been more aggressive than they were. I, I actually was kind of surprised that they didn't make a deal. I thought for sure Shelvin Mack would probably get moved for a second rounder. Um, this was never really rumored. This was more of just like my own personal pipe dream. But Power Forward is by far their biggest need this year. Right. And I feel like I feel like somebody could have convinced Miami to to be sellers. Um, they've got a lot of they got a lot of contracts that people could use. Um, they have to know that even if they sneak into the playoffs, it's just going to be a complete route at the hands of the Cavs. Um, so why not throw one of those late first round picks that Utah has for like James Johnson? Um, 
I heard that they were they were interested in Lou Williams. They obviously must not have been too interested because that's another team that I think could have beaten the Lakers offer. For if sure. you offer your first round pick and Shelvin Mack, um, who's an expiring contract. Um, the Derek Faber stuff, I heard, I think it was today, they said it would have to be some kind of like blow us away offer to move him. But he's at a point too now where I think you could think about moving him because that's that's $10 million in savings next year when you, you got to re-sign Hayward, Hill, Joe Ingles. Um, you think they'll keep Joe? Joe Johnson, who's way better at the four. Ingles? He's going to be such an interesting free agent case they, study. I know. They need to keep him, and, and what they might have to do to keep him is trade Alec Burks. The problem with that is I don't know who wants Alec Burks at this point. Like I don't think his trade value is that high for a guy who's making $10 million a year. Um, I just kind of gauged it on Twitter the other day, and this is this is fan perspective and not front offices, obviously, but pretty much everybody was like, nah, we, we wouldn't want Alec Burks on our team. So right. this is yet another team that has a bunch of decisions coming up in the next couple of years, and I think they could have made some of them a little bit easier if they'd been more aggressive today. What were you thinking about all that? I think just that stuff – they kind of seem cut from the Spurs cloth where they don't make midseason moves. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really expecting anything, but the Derek Favors question is one that needs to be asked because they legitimately... It's interesting. Like, if they could have gotten value for him, I, I feel like they should have taken it because he's at a point now where I'm not sure he's ever going to be healthy again. And not even that, but, like, he's going to fall into those categories of other bigs that you're going to probably have a tough time moving. I would probably yeah. compare him to Nikola Vucevic a little bit, but he's a much better defender. Definitely better defensively, although if he can't ever like return to his former speed with all these knee problems, um, that makes that makes a comparison like that more fair. Like and maybe maybe they just didn't see enough value. But if I if I would have had anybody be like, We'll give you a late first rounder for Derek Favors, given what I've seen this season, I'd have to think really hard about that because the lineups where they play Joe Johnson at the four are by far their best. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just getting harder and harder to imagine him ever returning to full health. And even if he does, your big man centerpiece is obviously Rudy Gobert. So it, w- it was an interesting deadline for them, for sure. Especially with Lyles there, too, if you think he's going to turn mm-hmm. into anything. Other teams were probably thinking along those same lines, though. If, Like you said, if you're the Jazz and you're going to consider taking a late first-rounder for Derek Favors, think about what the flip side of that would be in terms of the market for him. Yeah. Yeah, they might not have been getting... It, it was The one team that was interested, uh, Phoenix, was really weird to me. Because they've already got Bender and Chris and Len. It's, it just seemed really odd. Right, and then they go and trade for Mike Scott. It, they do... Yeah. Phoenix does the weirdest, the weirdest crap. It's just... That, like, that team has been like they don't get talked about much in the recent years, maybe just because they're not very good. But that front office has just been a mess lately. Right. The whole remember they signed Tyson Chandler just so they could pretty much get a meeting with Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah. And now he like apparently loves it there and wants to be a son for life. It, he's and that, prob- that, he's probably a good locker room guy to have. So there's yeah. The hiring of Earl Watson was weird, like, to not interview anybody for the job. (laughs) Basically, since the surprise, like, Goran Dragic season, where they almost made the playoffs, it's just been, like, a complete mess ever since then. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't – 
it, it, the the Suns are a mess. I can't even. Good thing we don't really have to talk about them because they didn't make any big. Yeah, now that we've like they wandered do, into that tangent, they, they do need to, however, figure out the Brandon Knight Bledsoe situation. Brandon Knight needs to go. Regardless, they have to try and give him away over the off season. Maybe Philly will take him. Maybe Orlando will take him at that point, depending on whether Hennigan's still yeah. in charge there. And Bledsoe is interesting too, just because he's a little bit older, and you can you can draft. They're going to end up in the top three in the draft. You can draft a yeah. point guard. Yeah, that is interesting. He's still like, how old is he? Twenty six or something? Who Knight is twenty? Bledsoe. Oh, Bledsoe's twenty seven, I think. Oh wow, let me older say than I realized. Quick. But still, like, yeah, I but, think it's reasonable to stay with him. But I also it, think it's reasonable to explore options. But what happens if you get the first the first pick in the draft? I think then you could probably think pretty hard about flipping him for something that made more like a better wing or something like that. Because it's clear. Because you have to take Fultz or Ball. Right. So I'm saying if you finish in the top two, that's the point. You've already been down the path of too many point guards. You can't go back down it. Although, who knows with that team. Yes, that is fair. But now that we have reached the point where we're going off on a tangent about the Phoenix Suns, that means it's time for... My bacon is back for a second consecutive podcast, which I think means that we get some sort of award for consistency at this point. <laughs> I'm going to take the pork flavored stick again. I'm going to go off on the Celtics a little bit because obviously we haven't talked about the Celtics enough. <laughs> Danny Ainge has become something of a pipeline because we see these reports where he didn't want to give up Terry Rozier and a first-round pick in a trade for Serge Ibaka, or he doesn't want to give up the draft and stash guy. I can't even pronounce his name. Anti Zizic? Zizic? Zizic, I think. Zizic? Anti Zizic. It's funny, and I take advantage of it at every every time I can, and I tweet stupid crap, but let's look at what he's built here. The Celtics are perfectly balancing, competing with rebuilding – and a lot of people are like, well, his assets aren't that good if he hasn't been able to pull off the superstar trade yet. More likely than not, he hasn't been willing to give up enough to get the superstar. And that's fine because the Warriors and the Cavaliers exist. As important as it is to make the most of Horford's and Thomas's primes, their windows, you have to be realistic and say, is Butler going to get us past not just the Cavs, but the Warriors? You have to consider that. It's not a matter of just getting to the finals anymore and you're like, well, it's a coin flip. It's not a coin flip. You're facing the Warriors. They, they will beat you. So I like the fact that he realizes he's in this unique position or the team's in this unique position where they have a chance to still be the second team in the Eastern Conference. If things break right as currently constructed and love isn't great when he comes back with Cleveland, if LeBron's tired because the Cavaliers are playing him way too many minutes, they might get into the NBA Finals, and that's enough to say, well, look, we're almost there. And it's not to say that he's not going to consolidate when he's given the opportunity. I like that he's playing the cap flexibility thing because what if they want to keep these first-round picks and you can add a Gordon Hayward in free agency and just go forward with this core and see what happens? Decisions have to be made because Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas will be free agents in 2018. And also, you can't keep these two top three draft picks on the roster and not play them for the first two or three years of their career. The NBA doesn't really work like that anymore. And how are you supposed to evaluate them for their next contracts? But in theory, you can. And the Celtics are in a position to do it while, again, being the second best team in the East. 
So why not do it? I love Danny Ainge for this. Some of the stuff that comes out, if it's true, absolutely absurd. That just makes me love him even more, which is where I'm at with the Celtics. <laughs> I think my general takeaway of today's podcast is that Dan is ready to ditch the Knicks for uh, Atlantic Division rival Boston Celtics. Long live Danny Ainge. Yeah, we're throwing, we're throwing it back with that comment to about 2005, ditching the Knicks. So, <laughs> um, With that, that wraps up a, a fun and thorough trade deadline day review from the Hardwood Knox crew. Um, if you want to talk to us about any of the trades that went down or any of the trades that should have gone down, you can reach us uh, on Twitter. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. And then the whole show can be found at Hardwood Knox. Um, as always, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to it. We'd appreciate a review. Um, until next time, we, of course, have to leave you with a shout-out to Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR.